like the matrix is set up to where it's like so prevalent that it's how could you question it? Yeah. Right. Like everybody's talking about it. And the thing is, is we, we millennials more than anybody, we're super community oriented. And so our primary like sources of confidence and and information is our friends and family. Mm. And when, when our friends and family are the ones that are listening to the news and listening to anecdotal stories about how sister cousin Bobby Sue bought a home and they foreclosed on her the day after, then that's the information that, that is coming in. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they've built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey, everybody. I have with me today Mark Koretsky. He is a friend of mine, uh, mortgage genius, actually kind of a mortgage nerd. We're going to talk about that, and we're actually going to keep it interesting. So don't turn it off right now because you think that this is boring stuff. This is really relevant stuff. We're going to talk entrepreneurial mindsets. We're going to talk all sorts of stuff. Um, Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, brother. Yeah. it's. uh, I've been looking forward to this, and... uh, there's so many avenues we could talk about, but first of all, you're an immigrant. Let's talk about that because that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Sure. it's. I mean, it defines everything about me, right? Like I have the worldview of an immigrant, which in a lot of ways is like the most American that I, I can think of, like the most patriotic. And a lot of the immigrants that I know are like the most patriotic Americans that I know. I like that. Um, and so it's... It's not just an immigrant. Um, my, I was born in Russia, of all places, with everything going on in the world. Um, I technically was a, a Jewish refugee to America. Uh, that was like our actual immigration status. Um, my grandpa, he was an orphan from Ukraine, of all places, especially going on with with everything going on right now. And he was an orphan because of the Nazis' storm through Ukraine. And so he actually moved to an orphanage in Moscow, and that's kind of where we came out from. Um, and so I have a, a a lot of different things that there's a lot of different things like Scott, you and I were talking about off air that we could go in. Um, oh, yeah. There's a lot we can talk about within that. I, I know a lot about that. It's obviously very relevant to me. I know a lot about kind of the economics of how things work. And so I love the entire geopolitical struggle that's going on today and we could talk about that but at the end of the day i'm a mortgage loan officer it's what i do for a living and it's what i i frankly am best at but i'm just happy to be here man that's awesome yeah i I appreciate you coming on and and i i there's so much about what you do that i stand so first i want to hear a little bit of your story like what did you do um i mean you're you're an immigrant families from russia you've you've lived in russia probably how old were you when you moved? Oh, seven. Okay. So yeah, there's memories of it. Um, yeah, just a couple. Yeah. So like talk me through your life and what's led you to where you are now. 
was ta- I always talk about it, but it's, it's just running from comfort zones. Like that's the theme of my life. Mm. Um, I got thrown outside my comfort zone when literally like two weeks before my birthday, my parents looked down at me and were like, Hey, we're moving to America. And I didn't know any English. And I was just pissed that I wasn't going to miss my seventh birthday with my friends. And so from there, it's like everything is a little bit different. And I mean, I literally knew no English. So like the first couple of years was ESL. Mm -hmm. And really the way that I learned English was just really watching cartoons and wanting to understand what they were saying. Um, My dad's a Spanish teacher of all things. And so I picked up the language gene. Luckily, I don't have that accent. I grew up in Boston. Lucky I don't have that accent either. (laughs) And so I came out here in 2018 after four years in the mortgage industry post-college. But I came to Dallas where I knew nobody. And I was licensed in 23 different states. I was a refinance specialist. So really like I got a real firsthand look at the average American life and their debt and their mortgage and their credit card debt and their actual spending habits and really helped create strategies for them to maximize their cash flow. But I'd never helped anybody purchase a home. And I came out here in 2018 was like, I'm going to be a self-sourced purchase focused mortgage originator. I'd done one purchase transaction. It was for a former coworker who left the mortgage industry, joined his father's company. And he worked with a Redfin agent who I never spoke with. So I came out here, I'd spoken with zero real estate agents. I had zero connections. And I was just like young, dumb, and had enough money in the bank to say like, you can do this. And then from there really just fell forward. And that's kind of my life. That's really the theme of it. It's really interesting. You know, you just, you just kind of hit a nerve like you literally understand what real America lives like. Like, you know, their debt, you know, their credit card debt. You, like that's gotta be pretty interesting. That inside view of where most people actually are in their life. Cause we all have this perception that, Oh, that person's doing really well. We don't know what debt they have. We don't know. Has that been really interesting to you seeing like the, like a microscope into somebody's life? It's super interesting and it's fascinating. And the reality is, is we don't get taught how to budget. And the reality is, is none of us have budgets. Like it's taken me probably six years out of the eight that I've been in it to really budget myself. Um, But what, what we see, we see everything, but what I saw and what really resonated with me after my first couple of years was seeing the difference between the haves and the have nots Mm. and really just seeing, I was working specifically within the military community doing VA financing. And so seeing the, the lieutenants with the, the military pensions and the social security and the combat pay, and then still being able to make a living post, uh, post enlistment. And then seeing somebody that, somehow didn't qualify for VA disability and they don't get a social security and their pension is $150 a month. And for them to keep their VA disability, they can't get a job. Wow. And so it's, we see literally everything, right? But it's, we, we also see a lot of the trends before the news picks them up. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And so some of the best information points for anybody listening is their local plugged in originator. It doesn't have to be me in, here in Dallas. I can connect you with somebody locally, but we are the boots on the ground and we see the economics, the, the mortgage-backed security trading and how all of that comes into play. And so there's a lot of different requirements and characteristics that have to come together for somebody to be a successful loan officer. Wow. I, it's just so fascinating to me because it's so outside of anything I've ever thought of. Like I've never put a minute of thought into it. I'd be horrible at your job. And that's why we do what we do, right? We're good at what we do and, and we leave the rest to, yeah. to the people that are good at it. Um, I just, it, there's just so much, there's so much to buying a home that really just opens up. The, it's like a can opener and you're just like, whoop, here you go. Look. And I've been through that process, of course, multiple times, and it's it's always interesting. But when I look at the the stats, you know, this the average American is this much money in debt, or they have this much credit card. I'm like, what really is that really true? And uh, so, is that really true? I mean, it. So, <clears throat> I I have a love hate relationship with statistics yeah. and data, but I, I really just have a hate relationship with all the headlines out there. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know exactly what you're referring to. So I can't like comment on that specifically, but whatever you think it is in, I would argue it's you, it, the reality is that it's worse. Wow. Wow. And so it's a much, what, what we see right now that's going on for you for like watching right now in 2022 inflation really hurts. But it, it hurts the, the lower income, it hurts the middle income, and the high income is completely unaffected by it because it knows how to actually take that income and put it into assets, and all of those are going up in actual prices. Right. Not the stock market, it's, it's actually doing pretty well relative to where it should be, but the actual concrete assets, that's that's the most American thing out there. That's really where my passion mm-hmm. comes in for this. Yeah. I guess to take a couple of steps back, like I saw my parents buy their first home. That first home took us out of just outside the inner city to a really good school district where I had to catch up two and a half years just to be able to like be on track. Right. And that's the the home that even the, the Northeast was hit a lot harder than us here in Texas after 2008. But I graduated in 2010, which was the worst of it, really, yeah. for all of us, yeah. even here in Texas. And so um, they still walked away with 60 grand. What I didn't know is they used down payment assistance to actually be able to afford it. And so I work primarily with first-time homebuyers because that's where my passion is, is actually helping the average American go beyond the noise that's out there. It's not just bad today. It's always been bad. They've been telling us you shouldn't buy a house since 2008. And especially since like 2015, I just looked at some statistics. And if you listen to Diana Olick from CNBC since 2015, it would have cost you 250 K in equity. That's a lot of money, right? Yeah. And so that's what we're working through right now more than anything. Wow. Right now, there's a lot of recession talk. And whenever somebody says recession, we all 
intrinsically get scared because the last recession we know was the biggest since the Great Depression, and it was 2008. But what we have today is completely different what we had then. But, but we've got a lot more mass media and a lot more like mass inbound that we have to deal with mm-hmm. that we're not really prepared to do as consumers. Yeah. And so it's a lot of educating right now. Yeah. Well, a lot of misinformation out there, you know, and bad information. Let's go down the, the patriotic thing. I, I know it's a little off topic, but I think it really intertwines with what you do. Like it really does, you know, the geopolitical climate, um, the socioeconomics of it all. I mean, it's all tied in. I really like how you said, you know, like an immigrant is probably the most patriotic person. And I don't think that uh, I'm just going to be honest. I think that the media tries to point it the opposite, right? Like they're really working hard to kind of like. uh, Most immigrants come here and they immediately, they allow themselves to assimilate. Yeah. Yeah. That is the beauty of the melting pot. Yeah. It's we are the beacon for the world and people come here and they accept the fact that when you come here, you become an American. And so they want to be an American. Yeah. And so to be an American, we have our cultural norms and what we do. Right. And so it's, we just assimilate. How does that, how does that transfer in your opinion? I mean, I know you're, you know, how does that transfer to illegal? immigrants and this might be a little political i don't care like what like what do you feel about like do you think they have that same feeling because the the process is different i think i think deep down most of them are ashamed ashamed of it in one way or another yeah because i mean i i know of plenty of have being in texas plenty of illegal immigrants that have gotten themselves on the path and they are grateful for it yeah it's it's a really rough subject um because it's at the end of the day like we have the the way that we got here was by going through the system right and so any immigrant that got here through the system is going to say in reality we had to wait years for that we had to do like re like we drove from boston to new york for our citizenship test we showed up to immigration and they're like who, who are you guys? We don't have any record of you Jeez. because they lost their paperwork. Yeah. Imagine like the nerves my parents felt like I'm a little kid still at the time. Right. Like I don't know. Any better. I'm just big... like, Oh, we, we drove to New York. Cool. Yeah. And you've got, no, that's why we drove to New York is to be told we don't have any record of you, even though they called us it. Wow. Right. Yeah. And so it's, you take a lot, like it's, you honor the fact that, this is the freest country on earth mm-hmm. and you have every proof from your past life of every reason why the rest of the world doesn't experience what we have, the opportunity that we have. Yeah. And so you go out there and you, you have all of this opportunity. Now you have the ability to actually make a difference, create a legacy and you immediately like what's not to love about that. And from there you put your head down that's why you look around most immigrants they're not doing they're not in the they're not in the bottom incomes right right it's because they they gathered skills that were marketable that were valuable to the marketplace and they put their head down they went to work so that they could create a family and a legacy yeah yeah that and 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 then at some point there's some you know like well they just they're just shrewd business owners like 
No, they have a they're on a mission. Like they like you said, they've found a skill and they've head down, laser focused, gonna do it. And it's the American dream. My grandpa was an orphan. Yeah. I I own a home at 30 years old. Right. That's opportunity. Right? Like, yeah. My it's what we have here is unlike anywhere else. And it just it feels like as an immigrant, it feels like I'm disrespecting my forefathers if I don't maximize the opportunity I have. I love that outlook. I love it. And I think that's, I don't think it's lost on immigrants. I'm wondering if it's lost on the rest of the U.S. It is. Because it's, I mean, we could go into a lot of different rabbit trails on that one. (laughs) But it, I I mean, there's a lot of reasons for what's going on today. Yeah. Right. Right. But it's, we we are not comfortable being ourselves alone and actually working through like what matters to us. We're way more conditioned to just turn on a Netflix, open up a Instagram or Facebook or what have you to just distract you from whatever you want to do. Right. 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 And so it's, that's been the biggest difference for me, Scott, this year is just, I, I'm a, I'm a, geopolitics nerd i'm a mortgage real estate nerd like i love looking at the data and reading the articles but i know i've always known that i have to look at those with like a a skeptical curious mind Mm -hmm. right um but it's just become too negative and so i've cut myself off from that but at the same time it's i still need to find the actual data and what we're seeing is not what the headlines are saying. Interesting. And the problem is, is we're not actually reading past the headlines. Yeah. Agreed. We're just scrolling through them and we're actually, whether we want to or not, we're absorbing that information and it's all negative and it's to get you to click on. It. So we know that negativity sells, you know, uh, we know we should know like, and current media, all of it, is clickbait. That's you just said it. It's, it's to get you to click. We're here to sell ads, sir. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about that. You know, the the client the financial climate right now and first time <clears throat> home buyers or anybody in the home, you know, search for a home. Like, you know, I've dude, here's what's crazy right now. Yeah. So hey, before we get started. Imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. In reality, like when you really look at it, affordability is relatively unaffordable relative to the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. But that affordability a couple of years ago was the greatest affordability or the top five affordability in the history of mankind. With our income level 
increases from last year and the year before, we're actually, we're just a little bit less affordable in reality. And so a lot of people have taken steps back from the market. I know so many people that lost faith in it because they had gotten more than 10 offers rejected, which is like, that's debilitating, right? Like that is immoralizing, but they still haven't bought a home, but they haven't jumped back in to the market. And then I have a couple here and there that have jumped back in because they've seen like, oh, there's actually a lot more options out there. I don't have to pay or offer 35 grand, 50 grand, a hundred grand, pull my pants down, order you a Buffalo chicken dinner just to get your offer accepted. Right. 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 And so now we're seeing all of these deals getting put together for these buyers that are actually moving against the crowd. Right. And so in reality, we see today on the ground, the difference of somebody following the crowd, continuing to rent continuing to spend more and more each month or each year just to have nothing to show for it at the end of the day, other than a a fight to get your security deposit back because they always want to keep it. And, and then we see the buyers that are jumping back in, getting into homes below what they're appraising for, getting sellers to pay their closing costs, getting sellers to pay for their interest rate buy downs, doing everything they want. And these sellers are bending backwards because they don't have anybody else to like wait for. And like, they've got to sell a house, right? But if more, if, if we actually followed the fundamentals, the fundamentals continue to point to more and more and more competition and demand in housing over the next five years. And a lot of that comes down to demographics. So millennials, which I am like in the middle of, Right. So I'm, I'm 30, like the oldest millennials are like a little bit over 40. The youngest are just like 25, 26. Um, we're the biggest generation since the baby boomers. We were at home or just out of college or in college at that last recession that we talked about earlier. We've delayed putting or buying homes to the point where the average age of a first time home buyer is 33 years old. Way up. Every year over the last four years, we've had more 33-year-olds every year than the year before as a demographic in the U.S. And over the next three years, we continue to have the same thing projected to happen. And so we just have more and more housing demand coming than we've ever had since the, the baby boomers. And when the baby boomers were around, that's where we had the first suburban sprawl, right? And so we're really looking at the, what the reality is, is we need like a, a revolution in home building and how we actually go into looking at what we're ultimately talking about, which is shelter. And the fact that the cost of that shelter, whether it's renting or owning, is just going to continue going up because we just do not have enough to meet what we need today. Never mind the immigrants that are coming in here, both legally and illegally, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. So what you're saying really simply is even though interest rates are high, now's the time to buy. I really think it is because interest rates are going to come down, but that's when everybody's going to jump back in. Well, can't you re- refinance at that point? I mean, sure, you're going to pay a higher, higher interest rate now, 
but you're going to, absolutely. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you can make money in real estate. So over the last couple of years, so in Texas, on average, home appreciation doesn't go above 3%. Yeah. With 3% home appreciation, you can make a lot of money in real estate. Mm-hmm. You can make a lot of money in real estate with 0% appreciation, with 1% appreciation, if you know how to do it correctly. But you're absolutely right. You're Even if you're doing a 30-year mortgage, you're not doing a 30-year mortgage. The average American isn't staying in their home more than five years. You're not going to stay in your loan more than five years. Right. And so you're not going to stay, even if you stay in the home, you're certainly not going to stay in the loan more than three years, really. And so we're projecting rates to come down as we officially enter into recession in 2023. And ultimately what the Fed is really doing is they're trying to suck up as much money as they can and rate raise rates up enough to when we do hit the recession, they really, they've got their feathers back. They've got their bullets back on what they can do to pull us out of recession. And so when you look back through all of the recessions, what happens? Interest rates come down and it's because of inflation in reality. During recessions, they're deflationary times. Right. Right. And that's where rates really come down. This is fascinating. Uh, fascinating because let's use me as an example of making bad decisions on homes. And maybe I haven't, but, uh, you know, sold my home in Oregon, moved here eight years ago. And oh, I don't want to tell you the numbers. Right? Yeah. The, the, They're shocked. Waiting for the right market to be in place. And then I'm like, I can run those numbers for I, you, but it's. I don't want to it's, know what loss I've had <laughs> because it, it's a, so let's just, I mean, let's run it, run through it just briefly. So how much would you say on average you're paying a month over the eight years? Uh, 26. So let's just say 2,500. This is going to be so depressing, but I like, let's use my, my situation for other people to understand, right? Let's use this for yeah. Do that at, or Talk a little bit more as I yeah. So when we moved here, when we before we moved here, we were looking at houses, and you could buy, golly, a five bedroom, three four bath for three hundred fifty. The prices were phenomenal, right? By the time we got rid of our house in Oregon and moved here, that jumped up a hundred thousand dollars. Like the and we're like, whoa, prices are out of control. Well, guess what's happened since? They're up two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand from that, if not more, right now. Even right now, with prices dropping, came at the best time. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, you know, I think there's a lot of fear driving people to buy or not to buy. And then there's a lot of fear around like consistency of income, down payments. And then you're working with first time homeowners. Can I tell you what the real fear is? What's that? A fear of the future. Yeah, exactly. And commitment. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, I won't ask you to give me your address. That's probably a good idea. But I, I could do it like literally based off of that. Um, I think that this home has appreciated $200,000 since we've been in it. And about 300000 since the, the owner bought it. I mean, I, I can tell you already, like it's going to be coming up on a million dollars. Yeah. Because it's... You easily paid over two hundred fifty thousand in rent. Yeah, exactly. Quarter you missed million out dollars. On, yeah, you missed out on the appreciation, 
which we have to add in. Yep. So let's just say that's 250 grand. Yeah. But you missed out on all of that mortgage pay down. Yeah. And so that I would say is probably 60 grand, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But you're over half a million dollars in net worth by choosing not to buy. Right. Yeah. So, and that's the average American, right? Like it's not for everybody and you have to be stable, right? Like you've got, it all comes back to an income side of the equation. I always tell people that are, that are considering buying at the end of the day, it comes down to three things, your income, your credit, your assets, your income is the most important because we can't lend you money until we can prove you have the ability to repay that money. And so that comes down to an income side of the equation. Also, when somebody's making the income, they've got the money to pay their debt and to save money, right? And so it always comes back down to an income side of the equation. And so whenever somebody can't qualify or they can't qualify for enough, yeah, we've got to look at their budget. But a lot of the conversation, Scott, that we're having is like, so what are your hobbies? What do you like doing? Can we monetize that? Mm -hmm. How do we create some additional income here and there that we can help go from where you are today to where you want to go? It may be to buy your first home today. Maybe you buy your next home tomorrow, but I have the ability to work through problems with you and then also connect you with the very best of the best that can actually professionally tailor a plan for you. So most people listening to this, they, they probably own a home, but there's a lot of entrepreneurs that aren't like crushing it. They're making it and they're making a good living when you compare. I mean, like we make a good living when you compare it to people. I mean, it's, it's good. The last time we talked to banks, they were basically like, yeah, you're self-employed. We're not giving you a dollar because you do, you do your, your, you know, your taxes. So here's the problem. Here's the problem. And it's a massive problem. When somebody's an employee, we're looking at their income based off of gross income mm -hmm. means we're actually looking at their income more than what they're actually making because it's before taxes come out. It's crazy it's before it's before insurance comes out. Wow. Before 401k comes out. Wow. We're not looking at their actual income. So there's a problem right there. Right. Mm -hmm. But for self-employed, for entrepreneurs, for 1099 independent contractors, all the way through partners, we've got to show your net income. And I can't qualify your net income unless you have two years of actually reporting, right. Right? right? To show that it's stable, to show that it's actually, we have something that we can actually use to diagnose your ability to repay. But that's the problem. It's both that entrepreneurs have it a lot more hard, a lot, they are not choosing this hard as we talk right. about Scott yeah. and choosing it hard. It's just harder for entrepreneurs than it is for employees. It's interesting because, uh, like, you know, what I bring home a month is going to be higher than the average person employee in the U.S. by far. When we moved here, maybe we contacted the wrong banks. They're like, hey, look, I know you have a 10-year history of 1099, and it's X amount. You totally talked to the wrong people, and it was a different time. And they didn't, they didn't want to talk. And I think that's what entrepreneurs are up against. They're hitting the wrong people. We won't do it on air, but you can talk to me now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's the point. I think the point I was trying to make is make sure you're talking to the right people. Like, make sure you're getting your information from the right people. Don't just stop because you hit a wall. And that's something I've learned the hard way. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm older than you, quite a bit older than you. And if I could do anything in this world, it's lessening people's 
learning curve so that they're like where you're at in home ownership. So they're, they're seeing the big picture. They're talking to the right people. There's so much bad information. There's so much people, there's people out there like, yeah, I could get them. I could get them their loan. I could get them in a house, but I just a lot of work and I got this easy client over here. And I think that's been the the case. It's, it's infuriating. It's depressing, but and really it, it depressed me when I came out here, Scott, in 2018, like I had to figure out who am I, what value do I bring to the market? Mm-hmm. And so to figure that out, I had to figure out the players and what value do they bring to the market? And I realized how low the bar is. That's interesting. It's interesting. I really appreciate people like you that are kind of like, this is the truth. And this is what people need to know, especially for new homeowners. I mean, they're literally deer in headlights. They, they are at the whim. They, they could be crushed by a car just because they don't know that car is going to crush them. I mean, they're just there for the slaughter. And yeah. um, you, you really need an advocate. I, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them, right? Yeah. Like, the, like the matrix is set up to where it's like so prevalent that it's how could you question it, Yeah. right? Like everybody's talking about it. And the thing is, is we we millennials more than anybody we're super community oriented and so our primary like sources of confidence and and information is our friends and family Mm. and when when our friends and family are the ones that are listening to the news and listening to anecdotal stories about how sister cousin bobby sue bought a home and they foreclosed on her the day after then that's the information that, that is coming in. Right. And so it's, we we're learning this balance of looking at online reviews and figuring out between that and just like social stalking, who do we actually trust? But, but we're really standoffish at the same time, because again, we, we saw what 2008 did to our families, right? right. Like businesses shut down entire families to, like torn apart because of everything that happened, like emotionally after something like that happens. And so it's, we're, we're always looking out for that. How are we going to get screwed? Right. Yeah. Like we went to school, we got a bunch of these student loans. We were told we had to, to enter the workforce. Then the, the economy gets torn apart. Yeah. And then now we can't buy a home. And then now like eight years later, we can buy a home, but now there's a bidding frenzy and now we can't buy a home. So we're just always waiting to get screwed. Yeah. I don't know if that's just me, the immigrant millennial that's just always waiting to, but I think it's all. Yeah. I mean, I can relate to some of that. You know, I sold a home after 2008. I sold a home to move to Texas and we put it on the market and the market just went so downhill so fast that we eventually decided to sell it for over $150,000 loss because of the market. And and hey, we we paid that price because we wanted to relocate. It was important to us to get relocate. But when you've gone through things like that, we and you you know coming out and seeing this, you do feel like you're always preparing for, to get screwed over. And it's not that it, you know I take personal responsibility, but there's economic aspects in play. There's world decisions in play. There's political decisions in play that really absolutely have an effect. And I think the biggest takeaway here is like, look, there's opportunity in every economy. Like, and I think right now there's a lot of opportunity in home ownership. There's so much opportunity in home ownership because all the fundamentals are strong yeah. for home ownership. 
So let's talk, let's, let's shift a little bit, <laughs> totally off topic. Uh, you're in phase, you're entering, I think, phase two of 75 hard. Yeah. And um, why does, and I, look, I did, I did phase one for 152 days straight. So I, I never did, chose to do phase two. Very glutton for punishment. Yeah, yep. I got um, and, but then it just became habit. Like I, it was just normal. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. let's talk about why that matters to you as a business owner in the last few minutes that we have. Well, dude, I, it's so weird. It's like, I, I guess based on everything that I know with what we talked about earlier with the, the politics, the geopolitics, the economics, everything coming together, it's like, I can sense when things are coming. And so literally I knew the mortgage business was going to get a lot harder. And I subconsciously was like, you need to get a lot harder so that you can weather the storm and you can be the pillar for everybody else. Yeah. And that literally happened at the perfect time because the day I decided I was going to do it, I found out, or I was starting on uh, Monday and I committed to doing it on Friday. Half of my market left and the other half got fired. Wow. And so I was left from like 40 plus people to like four. Wow. And so now it's like, I'm the oldest. I'm the one that's like the like most experienced that has all of the relationships. I need to be the one there to like rally the troops here. And that literally all happened at the same time. Wow. Yeah. But 75 hard man and just like the entire challenge and mindset and live hard, which I, I swore I wouldn't do. Yeah, I know. Um, in 2019, when he, when Andy Frisella rolled it out, I, I told myself, listen, you know how important the things you say to yourself are, but at the same time, you don't have the discipline to do this oh, wow. and you don't want to start it and fail it because that's going to like push you back further. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden like COVID came and then I looked around and like, I saw so many people having gone through it and I was at the gym on Friday and my trainer was like, Hey, a bunch of us are starting 75 hard on Monday. You want to, you want to do it? I just looked up and was like, yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was just, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done, but this is good. This is the exact right thing that you need right now. I remember part of, go ahead. Part of my problem is I became like all business, right? Like I had, I had stopped actually having any sort of like physical ex like activity, like doing things that I love doing. Like I'm a, like I'm an athletic, energetic person. Like I need to be out and doing stuff. And I was sedimentary, just doing mortgages, head down, helping people really just focused on building my business. And so like I could feel without actually knowing it at the time, like my spirit dying and it just like wanting to like do the things that are, that I love doing and being like, you're not doing it. You're not doing it. And so it freed me to be able to actually pursue what I love doing while actually giving me energy to do the things in business because of that scarcity now in time, both crushed, but also like reaffirmed that the amount of time I give myself to do any sort of work, which is usually problem solving, that's how long the problem's going to take. Yeah. And so now it's just micro bursts of massive activity and gaining a lot of traction from it. I think there's so much, like I, I had a hate for 75 hard after I did it just because 
it's like not everybody should be doing this just to be doing it. Like people took it. I think a lot of people kind of took it in the wrong direction and there was this big drive and I'm like, no, this is about discipline. It's about pushing yourself to a place that you didn't know you could go. And I, I tell everybody you should definitely do it once and you should get through it. Um, now I, I remember seeing a post from you. What's crazy is I haven't had a drink still. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It it really pushes some it, great habits into form. I don't need it. Yeah. I don't like. I go to real estate events, and like I was always like that social drinker, right? Yeah. And spent a lot of money drinking, and made a lot of bad decisions, <laughs> and had a lot of rough mornings. Yeah. And now it's like I can go to these events. I'm even more entertaining and fun, and like I remember everything that I do, and like the fun that we have, and then I can wake up and I'm like ready to go. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I uh, I remember a post you or you made a message. You're like, "It's nine o'clock. I just you were sick. I just took my Nyquil and I forgot I have to get outside for 45 minutes." That's hardcore, dude. dude. That's awesome. And I think I think that's the the thing that separates those of us who are going to succeed and are succeeding from general population because you just have oh, it to teaches you. It doesn't matter what the uh, environment is. And, and going back to what we talked about, like one of my biggest pieces of advice is like, you determine your economy, Yeah. right? Like it doesn't matter what you're seeing and what's going on around you. Like you determine it and it doesn't matter if it's raining or if it's when I was doing it, like 105 degrees, like every day, we had no rain for 50 days in a row. Here. I, was, yeah. I was so excited when I got my rain workouts in because it was like, Finally, like I hate the rain. I hate the cold, which is why I'm starting phase two. But so I guess for those listening, so once you finish 75 hard, you have the the opportunity to continue going. And phase one, in my opinion, I mean, until you get to phase three is is by far and away the hardest. Mm -hmm. Um, Phase one, I got through, I really did 45 days because... I had a overnight boot camp that I signed myself up for where I was literally working out from 9 a.m. until 7 a.m. run by Navy SEALs and Green Berets all night. Um, but so I failed that following day and then I started the day after wow. and went full for the 30 days. And so Friday the 2nd is the earliest I can start. And I've got <clears throat> buddy number 35 and 36 that are starting on their 75 hard journey on Friday or Thursday with me. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's just, it's like, look at you guys, if you haven't done it, like understand what you're doing before you do it. Don't do it to lose weight. Do it to change Don't your outlook. Change your life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because you you feel completely different with a healthy diet without what it's not just all of that, but it's, we make these micro promises to ourselves throughout our day. Mm-hmm. And if we don't do them, we don't understand what that does to our psyche and for our spirit, right. because you are literally lying to the only person that truly matters, which is yourself. Exactly. And so you lose that self-confidence in yourself. Yeah. And so by doing the challenge, you make these micro promises to yourself throughout the day. You actually keep them in a, in a consistent manner for more than enough time that it takes to create a habit. And you look back and you're like, oh my God, my life is completely different. And I'm in a much better mental state as a result. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I can I can vouch for that, a hundred percent. Mark, you you are living hard. I know it. I've seen it. I've watched it. You're living it. It's in, it's encouraging. It's awesome to see other men, especially younger men. You're much younger than me, like pushing their limits and understanding how to press through. And man, the information about like market and seeing seeing the market for what it really is, and to immigration. I need to start doing more content on that, yeah. man. Because I I honestly I because I have. I have been watching the markets for eight years. And so like the things that are going on, I take for granted. Yeah. And like the information I know I take for granted. And part of really what one of the life changes I had, like right before we met back in June was I decided like, I am truly an impact driven person. Mm -hmm. And so like, this is one of my ways that I can make a legitimate and like beneficial impact for, for everybody. Right. And so I'm, I'm going to do more. So That's I'll awesome. get you and anybody else that wants to follow educated on what's going on. That's awesome. So Mark, follow Mark Koretsky on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, probably I'm guessing. I know you're on FTP. Yeah. Um, I, I, so to your, to your point, you almost have my last name, Koretsky. Um, I chopped it off for marketing. I go by loan officer, Mark. On basically. <laughs> That's a lot easier. <laughs> it's so much easier. Um, but my, the best place to find me is just go to my digital business card. Uh, it's mark10k.com, mark, M-A-R-K, the right way, 10k.com. That's easy. That's easy. Yeah. That's, uh, all right. So we'll have that in the show notes. And Mark, I really appreciate, like, I learned a lot. I hope the listeners paid attention and learned a lot. I appreciate you, brother. I'll run that report for you. But it, yeah. But it's going to be. I don't it, know if I want to see gonna, it. Yeah, I don't think you yeah. do. Uh, thank you, sir, for coming on. I really appreciate you. Absolutely, man. Happy to be here. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.